Welcome to the unofficial House of Wind book club, ran by two best friends and self-declared members of the Night Court. Today we are discussing chapters 33 and 34 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. Libby, we have not recorded in a little while because we had a, a little break, a little break to do some stuff, have our birthdays and relax. Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was a good birthday. It was quiet. I thought you did things. I did. It was nice. I started off my day. I went to go make sure that I still would not have more children and I won't. That is um, very important. It was a great birthday gift to myself. I love kids. I love my child. I don't want any more. I do not. So it was, it was a good birthday. The, <laughs> the OB was like, or the GYN, which one? Do, no, it's GYN. No, I'm not pregnant. No, no. GYN, sorry. No, 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 no OBs. Right. I did not mean OB. The GYN was like, oh, your birthday? You're going to do this today? I was like, absolutely. That's the best gift <laughs> I can give myself, like, to be stress-free for a little bit longer? Absolutely. So I started the day off with that. I got some Starbies with my husband. And he got me a cup that's this beautiful, dark, emerald green color. You know, my favorite color. Love it. Then uh, we went our separate ways because he had to go to work. So I went to Target and I got a lot of Halloween, spoopy Halloween decor. Super excited about all that. Love it. Then I got to, I think I went to Kirkland's. Yeah, I went to Kirkland's and I got a cool picture. What? From a grocery store? What is that face? No, no. The home decor store? Is that a Southern thing? Abby. It might be. No, there's one in St. Louis. Kirkland's. Kirkland's. If I'm going to keep saying it till you're like, oh yeah, it's so Kirkland's. It's still not ringing a bell, buddy. Abby. I got to look it up because if I'm saying something that's not an actual store. I thought Kirkland's was Kirk. a... No, it's a store. Yeah, it's a store. Kirkland's. Okay. <laughs> Abby. I've just never been. Okay, you went and got a cool painting from a home decor store that I thought was a grocery store. You would love it. Okay, all right. And then I got myself some chips and queso from Japotle, and I took it home, and I watched the live-action One Piece while I picked out on some chips and queso. I Okay, hold on. The chips and queso from Qdoba is one of the things I miss from America. I have tested all sorts of chips and queso, and my favorite is the Chipotle ones. Girl, I'm glad you treated yourself. I did. And then when my husband got home... We took our daughter and we went out for some crab and some oysters for dinner. And there's only three of us. So like we don't have the tummies to eat like a lot of cake. We just don't. And it's not what our our household was built for. And so they picked me up on their way home before we went for crab. They picked us up little grocery store individual cakes. You know, like when the grocery store like makes a cake and nobody buys it. So they like. Cute. Yeah. But. I was like, just get me like a like a vanilla or like a yellow cake, just something easy. And he texted me, he was like, they're all out, but they do have college football game day themed personal cakes. I was like, yeah, cool. Oh, yes, of course. So there was a Bulldogs one. I was like, yeah, just give me the, the doggy. I want the puppy one. So <laughs> I got the I got the Bulldogs and 
he got carrot cake, which was incredibly disrespectful. Who gets carrot cake on a birthday? Right? No. I love carrot. No, I love carrot cake. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I've offended anyone. I hope someone sends us a recipe of decent carrot cake because I haven't found one I've liked. And then my my sister, wow, my daughter, my child, oops, not the same person. <laughs> my child uh, got a mermaid chocolate piece of cake. So it was, it was good. It was a good time. We had no room to eat any of it, but my kid found a way to down all of it. And it was a good birthday. And then the next day, my child and I, the birthday festivities continued. It was like a weekend event, Abby. I I got way too spoiled, right? We went and we got our hair done and our nails done, courtesy of my mom. And then we came home. We picked up some Sammies, some sandwiches, and we came home. And my husband had cleaned the whole house. And I was like, oh, my God. And so it was a great day. And then we like, we napped on the couch and it was just good. It was good. We got a whole birthday play by play. It was a whole, yeah, it was an event. I was like, man, this is only 29. I can't wait to see what happens at 30. Dude, I'm glad you had a great birthday. Abby, no, don't do it. So you know how you just say you got like, it was good, right? It was good, right? You got birthday presents and you got birthday cake and you celebrated. You know that you did that? I didn't even talk about the presents. No, don't do this. Abby. Um, I didn't even get a birthday card. No. On my birthday. So that was really sad. Like, I usually even always get one from my Nana. That's like something I've always known I was going to get. Nana, no. My Nana doesn't really leave the house anymore unless my like mom takes her and my mom was here. And you'd think if my mom came from like America to Italy, she could bring a birthday card. No. Oh my God. So um, we were supposed to go to the beach and get this like private little, like I want to call it gondola. That's not the right word, but a private little um, pergola. Is that what it's called? Canopy? Yep. Any of those? Sure. So we were supposed to get that for like, and we were going to bring Luna to the beach for the first time. And it was supposed to be a wonderful, great adventure with my parents being in town. Well, um, we didn't leave until 3 p.m. that day. The beach is an hour away. So we got there at 4 p.m. And there were no gon- or pergolas or canopies left. So no. Yeah. And then we had dinner, which was like good, but there was like no birthday, like no balloons or, you know, like a single streamer would have cut it this year. Just one. That didn't happen, which is kind of sad. But I got, I do have good news. James made it up when my parents left. He made me a homemade birthday cake, which is my new favorite thing that he does. Are they delicious? No. <laughs> do they even really resemble a cake? No. Um, but he made it and that's what's important. And it's very cute. And he put sprinkles on it and he put Aww. a candle and it was very cute. And he got me birthday balloons and he put them throughout the house. And like, then he got me a little, little mug that had, um, sit down for a spell, but it was like S P E L L. Yeah. A whole bunch of Halloween things. And he got me a new lens for my camera. So can we just, can we just talk about how crisp, crisp your lens is? Dude. Oh my gosh. I have never been more excited in my entire life 
to get this lens because um, I'll geek out in photography for like only 30 seconds so I won't bore you guys. But I have a mirrorless camera which has a very specific type of lens that can go on it without an adapter and those types are specifically very expensive and so I haven't like been able to or made the jump to it's completely mirrorless lenses and I got my first one because of James and I'm smiling and it hurts because it was just beautiful and then I had boudoir session this weekend. But that's okay. We are eight minutes in and Libby, I haven't even told you the whole whole bullet point I have down, which is my parents came to visit. They were there for your birthday. Yes. So go on. So they came to visit. I just want to, before you continue, Abby's got her hands clasped together and the face of like, this is the beginning, the beginning of the end of what a very long trip it looks like. Guys, just forewarning, we're going to have a little bit longer about us, the personal time section here, because it's been a bit since we've recorded. Feel free, you know, if you don't want to hear from us, go ahead and skip, skip forward, forward like a 10 little. minutes. Yeah, we totally get it. We totally get it, but be prepared. So my parents came to visit and they are not made for anywhere else but the Midwest, is what I have <laughs> come to realize. Uh, I've been here for a year and a half, so to me, Italy is normal now. Now I remember when I first came here and it felt overwhelming, and I am, I would say, like a cultured and well-traveled person. My parents, their definition of vacation is like to Mexico to a resort specifically. So Italy, Europe in general is a whole different ballgame. So they were very overwhelmed majority of this trip. And my dad was working the whole trip and he really loves the speaker phone. Oh. Really loves it on his phone. And he really loves to, to scream into it in public places. Mm-hmm. So that was not at all overwhelming for my ADHD brain. And I Definitely didn't. You know, in a notoriously quiet, calm country, but yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I definitely didn't get overstimulated 90% of the time because of screaming on that. It was good to see them. It was it was good, fun for, for a little bit. One of the big things I was excited for on this trip was me going to Venice with them, and we were going to do this private boat tour. Side note, have I told you what happened, Libby? Oh, yes. Abby, we talked for a good two hours about this boat trip. Private boat tour. I was so excited for this private boat tour. I spent extra money of my own money to make sure that this guy would like pick us up close to the train station so my dad didn't have to walk far. And then it was a boat tour, so we weren't going to be doing a bunch of walking, so my dad knees and back. We're going to be great to go. We got there, and it turns out it was not a tour. It was more of a, um, let me take you to shops I get commission at and force you to buy things and then get mad at you when you don't buy expensive things and then make you feel uncomfortable for the whole trip tour. So that was real weird. And the whole day was like, I ended up crying instead of enjoying it. So it was not the day I was planning, but it gets worse. The guy then threatened me on Airbnb because I left a review. It wasn't even mean. It was just like, honestly, what happened? And he tried to charge me an extra like $350 because he kept us an hour long, like I could drive the boat to take us back. It was just not the day I wanted or needed. But the highlight of the entire trip, Libby, is that I got my mom into Akatar. No, you didn't. I sure did. She just messaged me today. I didn't even tell you this. This is canon event right here for you. This is new. Yeah. She just finished Akatar today. The whole first book? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Technology is not this woman's strong point. And she goes, how do I get the second one on the Kindle? Oh, oh. So I told her to go on the computer and sign herself in. So she's going to get the second book. And she said she really liked it. And so that made every 
negative part worth it because spreading the Akatar love. You know what? The takeaway, if any, is that your mom's into Akatar and now we get to get Elaine's fresh point on the books. You know, that would be a great, that would be a great segment, Abby. I'm just going to hope she doesn't listen to this pod. I think it would be great if your mom sends you like a two second voice clip of like different thoughts and we could like snip oh them in. Oh, I have to ask her. That would be too funny. It was, okay, hold on. We could call it Elaine's hot takes and it's not the same Elaine. I will message yes. her. I will message her. But it was really, really cute because we went to this mask shop, this masquerade shop, and it really much was giving me like spring court vibes um, mm-hmm. because there was literally a fox mask. Hello. One made out of leaves. I was like, autumn court who? Love it. It was stunning, right? And my mom looks at this gr- like emerald green and gold mask and she goes, Tamlin, <gasps> I've never been prouder in my entire life. I love it. And I, I kind of looked around and I was like, I feel like, we're here we're in the spring court and she was like i was just thinking that and so that was cool what i love that so there was a highlight of the really shitty venice day i love it i'm excited i can't wait i want elaine's hot takes i'm so ready we'll have to see if she can give it to us is she on the second book then i don't know if she knows how to go onto the computer and go to amazon okay well you know what let's message her Let's see. Well, I'm uh, figuring out if this woman can get on Amazon. Tell me about your week, friend. I took my child to her third trampoline birthday party of the year. Is that the like new thing? That's the new thing, I guess, is like kids trampoline birthday parties, which all the kids love. The kids, they all love them. Yeah. Sure. My child, for whatever reason, has very severe separation anxiety from my husband and I. And... (laughs) Don't know where she got that from. That just means you must go on all the rides. Uh, yeah. So. All the trampoline. Well, we weren't going to do that because it's just kids out there jumping. So we just were sitting. Oh. In like on the edge, kind of where the other parents were and chilling. And she came up because she's got to check on us and make sure like that she can see us and that we haven't run off and we're not being kidnapped or mom and dad napped. You didn't leave her there? I, I don't think we could. This kid is like. Liam Neeson and Taken. If we disappeared, she would find us. She is not letting us get out of her sight. So (laughs) she came up at one point to me and was telling me something. I don't even remember what happened. Some random strange kid came up and because even though there may be a birthday party going on, other families can still just come and jump. Like, you don't have to just be part of this birthday party. That's uncomfortable. Right. Like, there could just be random kids that are just there to be there jumping. There's, like, if you're part of the birthday parties, there's, like, rooms that you go into. You get your own little room for, like, the cake and pizza and stuff. But the general community are all out on these trampolines. So she comes over and is asking me something. Some complete stranger random kid comes up to both of us looks at me and just coughs in my face and goes, who are you? Yeah. No. And I just like, I kind of just sat there because it happened so fast that it's not like I could like shield myself. I'm glad it happened to me and not my child, but like, what in the world? What? Why are you asking me who I am? There's like 70 different families here. Go ask anybody else. Go, go find your parents. Ah. Uh, so that makes me so physically uncomfortable for you. It was very uncomfortable. And both my daughter and I just, we both just stared at this kid. Like, did that just happen? 
And then I looked at her. I was like, you want to go somewhere else? And she's like, yeah. And so, <laughs> and so we... Do you want to go literally anywhere else? <laughs> literally anywhere. And so we moved. And homeboy just went off and did his own thing. And my throat hurts, Abby, just thinking about it. Okay. We both have worked in daycare situations before. Yes. Yes. I could never imagine going back now. Never. Post-COVID. I can't. I have so much respect for any type of caregivers, Mm -hmm. whether it's daycare, care for the elderly, teachers. I don't care. You watch somebody else. You give care to another human being. Even like if you're a stay-at-home parent, you're giving care to another another person, another live being. Nothing but respect. It, the patience is not in me. I, I couldn't. Nope. I'm so proud of you all. Libby, do you feel like you're a nice person on the inside in your head? Because I don't. You know, that's that's an internal war. I go back and forth on that a lot. The second I'm like, I'm decent. My brain's like, are you? You want to say that again? So that's, a, that's an ongoing battle in myself. I'm not outwardly a horrible person like I have like morals and I'm polite and like gen- people would describe me as like a happy person but we have a lot of intrusive thoughts is that what you're saying yeah that's it that was it like it's not always good things going on up there about people <laughs> it's not <laughs> we're losing so many listeners oh my god <laughs> literally every single person here is like Mm, yes. Same. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Abby, are you uh, are you ready for the question of the week? No, but yes. <laughs> what was your best and or worst Halloween costume to date? I have pictures of this, Libby. Me too. I have pictures of this. We're, so, wait, what you're saying is we're posting these pictures, right? We're sharing these photos? 100%. No shame. Yes. Yes. Actually, there's quite a bit of shame. So (laughs) I was never a thin child. I was always a little chubby. And somehow my mom thought it was okay. Me, cute little chunky Abby, baby Abby. She thought it was okay to dress me up. You are getting so red right now. As Barney. Elaine. The dinosaur. Oh. I have pictures of it. Have you ever asked her like why? I need her to defend this. What is, why? Okay, yes, I did. Because I found this picture today and I was like, mom, what was wrong with you? (laughs) And here's her exact response. She said, you were five or six. You wanted to wear it for Halloween after seeing somebody wear it at daycare. So I have lots of questions. Was this a used costume? Because, oh, gross. Also, how would I, Chunky Abby, fit into somebody's used costume now? But now that I look at it, it didn't really fit that great either. Libby, it was horrible. My sister in this photo, who you'll also see, she's dressed up as a witch. Her true self in this photo. It's quite beautiful. (laughs) And then my brother. I'm really hoping for your sake that she never gets into this series. (laughs) She never will. She never will. (laughs) That I think my brother's Batman or a vampire. It's... (laughs) I'm not sure. Okay. These are very 90s. Very 90s. Early Y2K. Early Robert Pattinson. Yeah. So we're not sure, but um, that was probably my worst. And then I'll tell you my favorite. It's not the best because I've never been a costume lady, but I, for like five years in a row, went as a witch every single year. Okay. And as somebody now who dabbles in witchcraft, it's really fun to look back and be like, oh, little baby Abby (laughs) knew what she was getting into. (laughs) 
What about you? I think this is both my best and my worst. It's it's just my favorite to look back on. I don't remember how old I was. I want to say six or seven. Okay. And Halloween, like any holiday, my parents have always like gone above and beyond for the holidays. Like with the decorations, costumes, all of it. There's always just, it's always over the top. So I was pumped. I was ready for Halloween. And I think, I think it was going to be like a princess or something. I was ready. That did not end up happening. Because right before Halloween, I got the chicken pox really bad. Mm, My favorite. Really bad. (laughs) I have the pictures. I will show you. And so because of that, like, and I was not going to go down without a fight. Like, I was like, I want to go trick-or-treating. Like, you're not going to steal this from me. You are not taking this away. And it's not like it's something like, we'll just do it next week instead. You don't get to redo this later. No, you can't. No. You get one day out of the year to do this. All right. Like there are only, my Halloweens are numbered. I don't know how long I'm going to live, which is dramatic. But still, I only get so many Halloweens. I don't want to lose one. (laughs) So the agreement was with my little six or seven year old self and my parents that I could technically go along with the trick-or-treating if i if i wore a costume that was a character that kind of went with my brothers who was dressed up as tigger so i had to wear a full body eeyore suit and i had to ride in the wagon that my dad would pull from like the sidewalk or the road away from everybody else and i would watch as my brother would go trick-or-treat for me and himself and he sure did every single house he took up my bag and his bag and he said like trick-or-treat and you know he had to be like four or five at this point i think nope my math's wrong he was like three or four and he'd be like my sister's sick can you give her like my candy like us candy too and so he would explain it to everybody and he got my candy and he hooked me up So in the picture that you guys will see, it's little Libby and little Nick. And we're dressed up as um, Winnie the Pooh characters. And if you zoom in on the Eeyore, me in the Eeyore costume, there's little red dots on my face. But don't worry. I will also post the picture of me with the full-blown chicken box. Because back then, it was something that nobody was afraid of yeah oh it would did you do you remember the chicken pox parties did you ever have those i was just gonna tell you yeah those were going on it wasn't that big of a deal now it's like you could die and i'm like i whoa hey that was just like getting a cold was worse than the chicken pox back then like this this that was nothing oh yeah i remember my mom like made sure that when I got it, my brother got it. So we did it together. And I still, oh my gosh, do you have any chicken pox scars? I do, on my neck. I have one on the middle of my nose. Oh. A little little baby dot. I'm pretty sure my parents like made me wear the oven mitts so that I would quit scratching. And they were like, if you take these off. I took so many oatmeal baths too. Uh, I remember that. But then by the time my brother and sister were old enough, I think that there was a vaccination for it. So they had to get it to keep going to school. And then my husband's never had it. So I'm always like, oh man, you better hope. I mean, our daughter has a vaccine. Yeah, because I heard it as an adult, it is way worse. It's more, it's like deadly apparently if you get it as an adult. But our daughter has the vaccine, so neither of them will ever understand the pain of chicken pox. Not even pain, just it itches. And like to have them, the doctor was like, oh, they're on her eyes. And I was like, great, wonderful, (laughs) love that. Like, can we not? (laughs) All right, Libby, we have um, probably hit our limit on personal time. Oh my God. Well, I love it. 
and I would do a whole podcast of literally just us talking about nothing, which someday we're gonna have to do that. Are you ready for your chapter? Just us talking. <laughs> if you guys want to hear it, let us know, please. I will talk about nothing for four hours. You will love it. We're, we're doing this for them. All right. That's purely selfless. Are you ready for chapter 33, Abby? I'm going to dive right in. Yes, I'm ready. All right. Chapter 33. Feyre was armed with a quiver of arrows, two daggers on her waist, and a bow over her shoulder. She would not walk into her impending doom unarmed. Alice led her through the woods. Feyre remembered again the Suriel's words to stay with the High Lord. She wondered if she had. Would things be as they are now? Night crept over them and they journeyed on. Alice led Feyre to the mouth of a cave and told her to follow this once ancient sacred shortcut, no longer sacred though. It would lead her to under the mountain. Feyre resigned herself to saving Tamlin. She would do this. Alice tells her that she will be lucky to be given a quick death, but to remember, don't drink the wine. Don't make deals with anyone unless life depended on it, and even then strongly consider its worth. And finally, don't trust a soul under the mountain not even Tamlin. Alice reminded her that her senses would be her greatest enemy as they would wait to betray her. Feyre nodded in thanks. Alice glanced at Feyre's knives and told her not to count on the steel to do any good. Before parting, Alice tells Feyre that there is still a piece of the curse that she cannot disclose to her, so Feyre must keep her ears open and listen. Feyre thanks her for the advice and bringing her to this point. Alice wishes her luck and Feyre tells her to get her nephews and flee to her family's home. To ask for Nesta as she would shelter her. Alice leaves with her final words, stay alive. Feyre took one last look at the deep green hills, the color of Tamlin's eyes, and the night sky above, and then walked into the cave. Feyre hugged the wall in the darkness, hearing only her breathing and crunching rocks beneath her boots. After a long while, Feyre saw a crack of light and heard voices. The sounds faded in and out as Feyre made her way to the light. Feyre made her way to the opening, a fire-lit passage. She remained in the shadows and hid within crevices and openings along the way. Feyre tried to keep her movements fast and quiet. Feyre glanced around a corner only to find more hallways, but with no places to hide and more never-ending corners to the turn. The voices were long gone and it was all silent. Favor doubted if she could continue on, but reminded herself that this had to be done now. Favor went to round the corner, but long, thin, bony fingers wrapped around her arm and she froze. An angular, leathery face smiled with its long fangs and hissed, hello, to her, wanting to know what she was doing there. Favor knew this voice. It haunted her nightmares. Feyre now stood before the adder. All right, you ready for six pages, seven pages? Five! No, no, no! four in a little bit okay four in a little this one was fine see that's why we needed to talk so much because we had we needed to fill her anyway chapter 34 Feyre was dragged by the adder to the throne room inside her mind she continued to recite all the names of those who gave her the strength and will to fight tamlin alice and her boys her sisters and lucian while she wondered why the adder hadn't already killed her she knew she couldn't ask couldn't speak without screaming faces without an ounce of concern for her watched as Feyre was wrenched through the halls into a large pale stone covered room decorated with carvings depicting fairies high fae and animals of all kinds telling the story of Printhian. Feyre was able to gather enough of her surroundings to find that she had entered a party but not much more before she found herself being thrown on the cold marble floor in front of her sitting on a black throne was her amarantha pharaoh was surprised to find that amarantha wasn't as pretty as she thought she would be but somehow it made her scarier she had strawberry blonde hair that was braided through the crown on her head skin as white as snow and contrastingly red lips her eyes were black 
and her face held no kindness or warmth. Instead, it held an ugly smirk full of knowledge that she was the highest commander for the King of Hybern, that she had slaughtered humans and armies and captured all of Pranthian in a few short days. In the black throne next to her sat the still-masked Tamlin, Feyre's High Lord. Amarantha asked the adder who was before her, and the adder replied that she was just some human thing he'd found downstairs. Amarantha asked why she should bother with a human, but after learning the girl had come from the cave that had led to the spring court, she was suddenly interested. Feyre wanted to kill the adder as it kicked her, demanding she tell Amarantha who she was and why she was here. Feyre wished she had more time to figure out where she was and how to break whatever spell Tamlin seemed to be under. She couldn't meet Amarantha's eyes as she spoke. Staring only at the gold gown in front of her, Feyre quietly declared that she had come to claim the one she loved. Amarantha questioned her, so Feyre clarified. She'd come to claim Tamlin, the High Lord of the Spring Court. Gasps were uttered from the crowd, but Amarantha only laughed. Amarantha's ungodly smile moved from Feyre to Tamlin. She seemed almost amazed that Tamlin had managed to get a human with a heart full of hate towards his kind to love him really, truly love him. The queen remarked on how he'd let her torture someone, an innocent girl, to keep his true love safe. Feyre demanded Amarantha let him go, but the queen only laughed again. She asked Feyre for one reason she shouldn't destroy her where she stood. Feyre responded that Tamlin was tricked and bound unfairly. Amarantha stood, clicking her tongue and stared at her hand, where on her index finger lay a ring with a human eye encased in it. Amarantha expressed that she was unimpressed with Feyre's creativity in her response and that she ought to rip her tongue out for it. She was curious, though, to see the look on Feyre's face when she took a look at what her future could have been. On the wall of the chamber was a disfigured body of a young lady, not just any girl, but with complete and utter terror. Feyre realized she knew exactly who was nailed to that wall. Claire better. She'd done this. She'd given Claire's name in place of hers to the High Lord of the Night Court, and she had caused this gruesome death. It shouldn't be Claire there, but her. She should be dead and would have been. Amarantha pushed Feyre, asking her what she had to say upon seeing Claire hanging. She asked Feyre if she still wanted to claim someone that would do that to an innocent girl. In that moment, Feyre decided she wouldn't let Claire's death be in vain. Yes, she said. Yes, I do. Amarantha turned to Tamlin and remarked that she was sure that he had never expected this to happen. She questioned him now. What did he have to say? He stated that he'd never seen the girl in front of him before, said that someone must have glamoured her as a joke. He blamed Rhysand. Amarantha immediately saw through the lie. She asked if he returned the feelings of the human in front of them. She laughed again, saying that this was just too fun. She couldn't believe that the son of the man who had once slaughtered humans by her side and a human with hate in her heart for fairy kind were in love. She looked down at her eye ring and said, I suppose if anybody could appreciate the moment, it would be you, Jurian. Feyre's blood turned to ice. Jurian's soul, through some magic or evil, was bound to that ring on Amarantha's finger. Amarantha continued on, saying that things had become boring since Clara died on her, and killing Feyre immediately would just be too boring. She said she had begun to wonder why Tamlin hadn't even flinched when she tortured Clara. Amarantha did something Feyre could never have seen coming. She offered Feyre a bargain. Amarantha said if Feyre could complete three tasks of her choosing, tasks to prove how deep of loyalty and love she had for Tamlin, Amarantha would let Tamlin go. If she survived, she could have her high lord. Feyre blurted out that she also wanted Tamlin's curse broken, and if she completed all three tasks, she wanted Tamlin and the entire spring court freed forever. Amarantha threw her another bone. She said that Feyre could complete the three tasks or 
If she couldn't take it anymore, she just had to answer a riddle. Amarantha told her that if Pharaoh was able to solve the riddle, Camelon's curse would be broken and he'd immediately be free, instantaneously. Pharaoh could answer the riddle at any time, but if she answered incorrectly, she'd be killed. Amarantha wouldn't tell Pharaoh the nature of her tasks, but let her know she would have one task every month on the full moon. While waiting, Pharaoh was to stay in her cell or do any extra work that Amarantha asked of her, which would include nothing beyond basic housework. It was to, quote, earn her keep. Pharaoh looked to Tamlin to find his eyes pleading with her, almost as if they were screaming no. But Pharaoh knew her options were to accept this bargain or to accept immediate death, so she was left without a choice. She looked back at Tamlin and in that moment realized again just how much love she had for him. Pharaoh agreed to the deal, and Amarantha gave her a terrifying smile. She told somebody behind Pharaoh to, quote, give her a greeting worthy of my hall. And with that, Pharaoh was thrown sideways and heard the sounds of her bones crunching. The adder had punched her straight in the jaw. Another punch came from a lesser fairy and another. Pharaoh's bones screamed as loud as the sound that tore from her mouth. And then she was gone. She vanished into thin air. She has magic now. Book ended. Oh. <laughs> Ta-da. Man. You know what? Actually, with Bestie's writing, I would not even blink an eye if that's how the book ended. <laughs> Things are finally getting interesting. It's really picking up. Only 300 pages in and we got to the point of the book. Yeah. Finally. I mean, th- there was a lot of world building here. I'm not going to blame her for that. But as a first book, I feel like she did need to kind of lay the stones, lay the groundwork, lay lay it all out. And listen, we know this is not a secret. This is not my favorite book. No, it's not mine. I don't think this is either of our favorite books. No. You have tattoos. Are you serious? Abigail. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on. We have been friends for over a decade now. Show me your... We have matching locations of tattoos. That's Nick? That's new. That's new. Okay. See? Okay. I knew you had Nick, but... I had... Well, so I got this one. I have his heartbeat on my wrist, which a lot of people think oh, you're a nurse or a doctor and you did this cheesy tattoo. (laughs) You're like, this is my dead brother, but thank you. I've actually gotten that a few times and I'm like, no, that was my brother's last heartbeat before he was taken off life support. That's gotta be so awkward. For them, absolutely. Yeah, oh. For them, not for you. I would take such joy in it. Every time, every time. Yeah, because I've gotten the judgment where like, oh, isn't that... Like a little cliche, and I'm like, is it though? Because, you know, I don't know. You're like, so he's dead. Do you want to tell me how cliche that is? Thing. I I held his hand as he died, and this is uh, this is what I got for it. So, no, I don't think he's cliche. And then, yeah, I have birthday cards where he wrote, like, love Nick, and I got a tattoo artist to take it and copy it and tattoo it underneath his heartbeat. So that's that part is new. And then you got another tattoo. No. Yeah. And then my sister and I got the matching fireflies because Nick thought he was hilarious. And like whenever in he probably was, let's be real middle school. Right. The song fireflies by Al City would come on and he would like go hard as if it was his favorite song, even though he couldn't like stand it. Didn't actually like it. Right. It was like a really funny thing. So her and I together as a tribute got those so yes i love it okay well yes i do have tattoos libby are you aware that your favorite saying in all of bestie's books is in your chapter are you aware of that would you like me to bring (laughs) to address it the elephant in the room here please do what what? page 301 third line down my bowels turned watery there it is i couldn't help it 
There it is. Same, bestie. Same. We have tummy issues. I was like, no, it's not. This is not it. It's not even the same book. Now I get it. Yeah. We yeah. have tummy issues. Both of us do. Like mm -hmm. clinically diagnosed. Yes. I see a specialist because of mine. Yes. Like we both do. We see specialized doctors not just because it's like my tummy, but like real actual issues. Oh no, like they're, they're screwed up. We take medications that we have to use. I'm offended. I hate this term. I feel like people in SJM's books have more watery bowels. Than we do? Yeah. Than we do. And that is impressive. So I just had to... Had to tell you. I don't know if it's the apples or whatever else, <laughs> all the food she's described. Wait, <coughs> I lie. That was in my chapter, not your chapter. Okay, that might make I was like, there was no watery bowels in my chapter. Take it back. Chapter 34, that is mine. I have to say, I really like, and a lot of people have talked about this. I like that in your chapter, when Feyre sees Amarantha and is like, she's not that pretty. Like, <laughs> okay. I love that. And I love how Feyre's like, but it kind of made her creepier because you kind of glorify people, I guess, in your head. And she's been the quote her this whole book. Yeah. So Feyre is thinking, yeah. oh my God, it's got to be this beautiful goddess of death and destruction. And she walks in and she's like, oh, oh, <laughs> not quite who I thought I was meeting, oh. but okay. She's like, that's rough girl. Oh, oh no. And she's like, actually that made her creepier. And I'm like, I, I feel it. Oh, I felt frustrated for Feyre that Tiamla had no reaction. He's just chilling up there. <clears throat> Don't you just love him so much? It made me aggravated because he's all, I love you. I like, we will find a way to be together one day. Like if anything, I love you no matter what, thorns and all. And then it's like, as soon as she doesn't like do anything to help him break the curse, he's like, man, I'm done with you. Nothing. So... Playing devil's advocate, uh -huh. he's doing it to save her because technically his quote love is up there hanging on the wall dead. I get it. Nailed up there. So uh -huh. he doesn't know her. Like I, I get where he's coming from. I say that as my eyes are literally rolling into the back of my head. Yeah. But at the same time, if I had entered a place where I probably knew I was going to die just to go see my... I'm going to say the love of my life, my husband. Yeah. And that man didn't look at me and worship the ground I walked on. I would be livid. There's no way. I'd lose my marble. See, if that were me and that were my husband and that was his reaction, like you didn't, you don't give me the eye contact. You don't do the little whistle thing we do to find each other in public when we can't find each other. I'd be like, you know what? Wrong cave, wrong mountain. My bad. Continue on. Oh, yeah. I'd be right back out. Yep. I'd be like, Alice, uh, I'm so sorry. I am not Farah after all. I'd be like, you know what, Alice? Funny enough, you were right, buddy. Um, so can you get me out? Yes. So if my husband um, had the lack of reaction and said, and I quote, I've never seen her before, <clears throat> we'd be having a funeral, my friend. I'd be like, sir, your face was in places I don't even want to say out loud. You've never seen me before. <laughs> Excuse you? You've never seen me look this good before? Is that what you meant to say? Or... You want to try again, sir? So now he's Tim Tam, the hit it and quit it man. And that's just another thing I don't like about him. Oh my God. And then he blames Reese. Are you kidding me? Bro's making me like... I'm throwing hands right now. Tamlin, if I see you, it's on site. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read quote for quote. Page 300. 
I've never seen her before. Somebody must have glamored her as a joke. Probably Rosand. And then she goes, he's still trying to protect me, even now, even here. Feyre, there's only so many excuses we can make. Yeah, it made me very upset that it, within one page, Bestie blamed Rosand for literally absolutely nothing and then had watery bowels. <clears throat> Just not my favorite, not my favorite spread, spread of pages. You know, to me, even if you're trying to save me by playing like, like pretend like, oh, you don't know who I am. Give me something. Find a way to give me a signal, literally anything to give me something to hold on to that tells me I didn't just embarrass myself by like coming all the way out here for you. She's like, I've come to claim the one I love. I've never seen this woman before. Bro, bro. She literally has gone through hell. She went back to the house where Alice was like all alone. She had to get all the way here and the Adder ended up grabbing her and she's just had a time. Which is someone she has had like night terrors over. And all of it, she's like, I've done it. I'm here for him. I've never seen her. She stands up against Amarantha. Again, someone she's had night terrors over. And she's like, I, I love him. She's claiming it. She's shouting it out. And he's just like, uh, and who are you? I'm sorry. New phone, who dis? Like, bro. So much so that Feyre thought there was a spell on Tamlin. I'm like, okay, sir. We got our acting skills. Feyre is like, she is dancing so hard around the truth right now. She's doing absolutely everything she can do to not face it. I think she's a little Delulu. You just want to hold her and be like, it's going to be better if you just stop letting this asshole do the things that he's doing. Will she ever understand that? Who knows? But right now, no. Right now she decides, and I'm saying this in the nicest way possible. She decides to take the stupidest bargain that she was literally warned to not take. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That was literally one of three rules. Don't drink the wine. Don't make bargains. Don't trust any. Like, I'm sorry, favorite. That was number two. It wasn't even like the last one. You should have been paying attention. I'm sure she would have taken the wine too if she knew about it. If she could have found it, that would have also been gone. Ugh. I mean, she was warned once about wine from Lucian and she was already like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna have some fun with this. So she probably would just take it. I mean, she admitted to Alice that she didn't have a plan. At least she was honest. She's honest about some things, but she's not honest with herself about how she deserves better than Tamlin's bullcrap. It's nonsense. Like, there's no way Amarantha was just staring him down. He could have winked at her. Something. Given her something to indicate. Nope. And then can we talk about how he did nothing when the Adder and his lesser Fey friends decided just to punch the heck out of Feyre? See, I was going to ask you, did nothing at one point when he was supposed to send people down to help him break the curse? When he was supposed to... <laughs> Can, like help Feyre fall for him but no, no no you're talking about this yeah he has a history of doing nothing Ouch. so but you know they say that we tend to fall for the people that resemble our fathers so I get it Tamlin did nothing her father did nothing she's into people who are apathetic will do nothing they're they're worthless yes it makes me think of the girls that are like I can change him sis you deserve better you can't. Oh my, that is Feyre to a T. That is Feyre. She deserves so much better. He loves me even though he's showing literally no affection or interest or recognition about you. Feyre, stop giving this man gas money. Stop buying this man 
new video games when he won't even go out and get a job. And that could applies to her father or Tamlin. Listen, they said that they're going to look next week. They're just tired. <laughs> oh, I could never. Man, nobody appreciates them. Nobody's hiring them. I'm just playing out here. Oh yeah, they're just they're just too good. No there's no jobs for their level of qualification. Libby, do you happen to have a, a favorite quote from this chapter? Cause I don't. Hands down when she calls um Amarantha ugly. <laughs> okay, that's like a, a favorite section. I stand by it. This is from page 296. It says, There lounging on the black throne was Amarantha. Though lovely, she wasn't as devastatingly beautiful as I'd imagined. Wasn't some goddess of darkness and spite. It made her all the more petrifying. And then, okay, I lied. Favorite quote. Same page. To paint her would have driven me into madness. Imagine someone coming up to you and being like, you are not as pretty as I thought. And it's really creeping me out. Like, bro, screw you. <laughs> right? Oh, thanks. What? Like, aren't the Fae notorious for being these beautiful, like, you can't look away creatures? And she's just like, oh, eh, eh. She's okay. I give it a two. Okay, star of the week time, which, of course, is my favorite time of the week. I think not only you are ready for the star of the week, but maybe somebody else in your life is, because our star of the week this week is Fable Grounds Coffee. Oh my Libby, gosh. you want to tell them what's going on? My husband is the most avid coffee drinker. We have two different coffee machines next to each other on our countertop because he has to decide what type of coffee he wants to make. He's made cold brew. He also likes to um, ground up his own beans for coffee. This man is... Oh my God. Dedicated. Dedicated. Fancy pants. Right? He, he doesn't play when it comes to his coffee. So when I told him that this was our star of the week... He has been on their shop like ever since. And he's like, all right, I want this one. And then we're going to order that after we finish this one and then this one. So he's gone out of control for this star of the week. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's tell our listeners about them. And then I've got to tell you my favorite part of them because I'm very excited. I've got a about me section that was sent to us and I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. So it says in 2019, our founder, Caitlin, set out in search of a company that combined two of her favorite things, books and coffee. She was sorely disappointed when she was unable to find a company that truly focused on those two things. This began her journey into the world of coffee. Months of research and experimentation led to a creation of Fable Grounds Coffee. All of our coffee is fresh roasted in small batches in Maryland, United States. We strive to bring you the tastiest bookish roasts we can. Please say that five times fast, Libby. Tastiest bookish roasts we can. Tastiest bookish roasts we can. Should I continue? Okay. No, just tastiest bookish roasts. Five times. Tastiest bookish roast. Tastiest bookish roast. Tastiest bookish roast. Tastiest bookish Okay, well, sh- sh- I made it. I made it to three. Hey, see? <laughs> see? But, okay, no, I, I was alluding to my favorite thing about them. Not only do they have fantastic coffee, which is, like, obviously the whole point of this, right? Their coffee mugs are everything I want in a coffee mug. Hey, Skylar, I want the Valkyrie one. Skylar? Skylar, Skylar, I want the Valkyrie one. That's what I was looking at. Just making sure he's listening. Go ahead. Libby, if you can just send that to my husband and remind him that he didn't make my birthday great. You know, just. <laughs> hey, James. 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 Jamathan. 
She wants the Valkyrie one. He does listen at work, but he only listens like half the time. So yes, I want the Valkyrie one. But their mugs are like, they look hand thrown like on a pottery wheel and they are just beautiful. So we will pick our favorites and put it on the Instagram so you can see. And then obviously they got literally every roast you could possibly think of but the cool thing is they have it by like fandom so they've got like epic fantasies fairy tales general bookish greek mythology legend wait legends and lattes love that and then of course they've got the mass universe so i would love if you go check out their instagram fable grounds coffee on instagram and then their website is fablegroundscoffee.com please just go look at the cute little coffee mugs and all the roasts they offer. Yeah, even if you just look, because, like, she is so nice. Seriously, she was so sweet when we reached out to her. Oh, my God. She's the best. Calling all dreamers. We want to hear from you. Send us an email to accordofthornsandpodcasts at gmail.com. Tell us everything. Just everything. <laughs> just, just everything. Really, guys, everything. Do I have to say more? I've begged you. I've asked you guys. I'm on my knees. I'm pleading for you. It's threatening at this point. Guys, guys, come on. Come on. Lean in a little closer. Guys, reach out. Reach out. Do it now. No, but for real, we did get the sweetest email. Sabrina. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm not going to give, I know I'm not going to give her full name. That's weird. But her name's Sabrina and she's an absolute doll. She reached out and gave us the, honestly, like the longest and sweetest email we've ever gotten. We were both crying. Like I will straight up. We're just like. This girl is amazing. She called SJM Bestie Sarah, and I was like, we're starting something. They understand. And she was telling us all about Target, and we got to see her little puppy dog. Dogs? Puppy dog. Puppy dogs. And they were, I mean, honestly, she looks like somebody I want to be best friends with. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, and don't forget, like, my husband and I's favorite part, uh, that they are Disney adults as well. So... (sighs) I will forgive her. (laughs) The disappointment in that sigh was unnecessary, Abigail. Sabrina, I will forgive you. I do like 2000s Disney, so I can... I'll forgive that. But she also said she's an Asriel girly, so back on my favorite side. But yes, guys, please send us all the emails. If you've listened this far in our podcast, we're on episode 17 at this point. Um, We really want to hear from you. Sometimes I read them to my mom and my mom's just like, oh, because she doesn't get it. Like, because she doesn't really, she's not read any of it, but she's like, that's. (laughs) (laughs) She just doesn't get it. And she doesn't get it. That's all. (laughs) No, but she was like, do you think you can do meet and greets? I was like, probably not. Probably not yet. But like, I love the support there. So. No. Yes, with all of our 175 Instagram followers. Thank you guys for making my mom proud of me. Oh. <laughs> to the people who listen and the dreams that are answered. We'll see you next week. And remember, don't let the hard days win. From the dark, listening from the fight, makes me taking all my feelings, you in my head, you in my heart, I'm never in the dark. Feywa? Feywa. Feywa. We are gathered here today. Love is the reason. Feywa is gathered here today. (laughs) This is what happens when we don't record for a month. (laughs) It's been three weeks, but still.